Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. The passage is found in Ephesians 2, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. And the passage is called, Made Alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Happy Easter. Now, if I love you, which I do, I don't know all of you, but as a pastor, I love the people of our church. I actually want more for you than just a happy Easter. I mean, you might have a happy Easter this weekend um, because you get to eat a certain kind of food or you spend some time with your family or it's one of those two windows in the year where it is amazing to be a sports fan, to be alive, right? You, so you might have a happy Easter because of those things. But if that's all you got out of this Easter, it wouldn't be enough. You and I need more than happiness. Happiness, however you define it, seems to be tied mostly to our circumstances. So when things are good, we're happy. When things are not, it's hard to stay happy. Happy, in a sense, seems to ride the waves of our life, of our circumstances. Happiness certainly doesn't seem to be able to survive when times are tough. It seems to elude us, even though we are a culture and a society built on the pursuit of happiness. We find it's hard to get, and when we get it, it's hard to keep it. What you need and what I need and what I would want for you, what I would want for myself is something deeper and richer than happiness. It's joy. Now, joy sometimes is hard to define, but we know it's this. It's something qualitatively different than happiness. Joy actually seems to be able to, in my experience and the experience of others, thrive in places where happiness cannot breathe. 
Joy seems to have this thing that is lasting and seems to deepen over time that allows us, in a sense, not to ignore or pretend our circumstances aren't difficult, but somehow throughout them that we have joy. And so that the good news is that as we gather together on Easter weekend, that what you need and what I need is the very thing that God wants for us and has provided for us, which is what we celebrate this very weekend. It's joy. And my hope and my prayer for you as we stop for a moment this morning as we celebrate together is to say somehow could we grab hold of joy in a way that it would stay with us, that it would remain, that it would go on well past Easter, and that this weekend wouldn't be something that you have just stopped uh, doing other things to sort of forget your troubles for a moment and then have to enter back into them tomorrow or the next day or the next day. But actually joy would carry you through that you would realize, wait, this is a gift I am meant to have an experience. And this joy is actually found for us in the passage that Neil read for us from Ephesians chapter two. And it's a letter that the apostle Paul wrote the church, a church maybe like ours a few years old, to tell them what joy was and how they're meant to have it. And he begins like this. As for you, and he's talking to all of them, and so we can hear him talking to us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You're like, wait, I thought we were talking about joy. This sounds one of those old school Bible passages that people yell when they say. <clears throat> but it begins here, our journey with joy begins here, and it begins with these few words where Paul says to the people he's speaking to and to us and includes himself in it, as for you, you were dead. You were dead. Not, you used to be okay and now you're better. You were kind of a mess and now you've managed to sort things out. Version one was not bad, version 2.0 is better. That's not what he's saying. You were dead. And then he, he lists a bunch of things that describe what deadness looks like. And it's not dead as in not moving, it's like the walking dead. It's like breathing but not alive. He says, you used to be where you followed the ways of this world. And he's painting this picture of kind of like people who are not able to think or do anything but follow this certain path. And he says, you followed the ways and the person, the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil and his ways. He said, you just followed those ways. And then he says, you, you followed the cravings of your flesh. In other words, you had desires and you just did what you felt like and you were unable to do anything else because you were dead. You blindly just walked a certain way. And then it says, you know, you were by nature deserving of wrath. And I have to say, in this case, I don't think the NIV translated it properly. The ESV probably had a better translation because that word deserving is actually the Greek word technon, which is child. So it says you were a child of wrath which is this, sometimes we think the wrath of God is like God is angry and he's just doing bad things to us because that's what we do in our wrath, right? The wrath of God, he says, you're a child of wrath. He just described what wrath is when you are left to do whatever you want 
and you live and die by it. The wrath of God that we see in Scripture is when God actually says, when we say, remember we said sin and saying, God, I don't trust you? The wrath of God is when God says, okay, go ahead. I'll second your motion. Go and do whatever you think is best. If you don't trust me, trust you. And he says, the result of that, we are children. He says, we were born like that. Like we grow up thinking and acting like that. We grow up as the walking dead, just moving around and following whatever ways. And we cannot think but do what our flesh desires. And so if we want to be angry at someone, we just lash out at them and we swear at them. And if we don't want to forgive them, we don't want to forgive them. And if we have sexual desires, we just think we should satisfy them. Just like if we're hungry, we eat. And we just do what we think is best in our own eyes. He said, you were actually dead in that way. You were the walking dead, unable to think or do anything other than what you desired and you just did whatever you wanted to do. And he said, we were all like that. This is where you were. You were dead. And when you're dead, you're not just missing a few things that you need for a whole life. When you are dead, you cannot live. The organs are not functioning. The nervous system is not working. The heart is not pumping blood. The brain is not working with the nervous system and the blood to tell the body what to do. Everything that is necessary for life is gone. He said, that's our story. That's where we were. Now, just by way of illustrating this, I've asked my son if he would help me. Um, so Noah, can you come up? I know you love being on stage. So, as Noah comes up, we have, just come stand right here, bud. So I have three things here, just over this side. Three things that are representative, and at one point in life, I was tasked with keeping alive. <laughs> okay, so this, like, flowers die in our house, which is when Jen says, why don't you buy them for me? I said, well, honey, you know what happens to them, right? Like, it's a bit, it's, uh, this, um, I went to the dollar store, and I said, do you have any fish graves? And they're like, fish graves? I'm like, yeah. They're like, we have fish bowls. I'm like, oh, that's what that is. Because <laughs> we've killed three of them. Like, there was one friends of ours, I won't name, name them, but they were so kind, yeah, Trace, gave us <laughs> a fish. And they said, listen, this thing is indestructible. It's lived for two years in our house, no word of a lie, three days. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know fish did back floats. Um, but my son, like, I managed to keep him alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, th um, three of them. So thank you. You can sit down. You were asking. Um, interestingly, uh, we're not just tasked with, with actually keeping them alive. Um, we actually brought them into the world. We actually were a part of making them alive. I played a small part, okay? Um, Jen had a, a bigger role. But, but we did. Like, we actually brought them into the world. Like, somehow... Through the miracle, God, like, we gave them life. We weren't just keeping them alive. We we're giving them life. Now, they've never said this, but what if at some point, imagine at some point they turned to us one day and said, you know what? I think I pretty much brought myself into this world. I would just say, do not ever say that to your mother. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll be breathing but not alive. No. Um, right? Like, how crazy would that be for them to say? Or if they said, you know what? Given the right circumstances and enough time, I probably would have just come to be by myself. That's absurd, right? That's what Paul says. You were dead. Given enough time, 
you would have not brought yourself together. Given the right circumstances, you were not. It's like the absurdity of a child saying to the parent, I think I brought myself into existence. Apostle Paul says to the church, we were dead. It's the beginning of joy because look what he says next. But because of his great love for us. Everybody say his great love for us. That's what Easter is about. It's about the great, pursuing, unrelenting, never giving up love of God for his creation. And the Apostle Paul says this, but because of his great love for us, because of Easter, because Christ died and was raised to life, look what he says, God who is rich in mercy didn't just do that for Jesus, he made us alive with Christ even when or even though we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It was a gift. You did not bring yourself to life, but God did. In Christ, the resurrection of Jesus is not just about his resurrection, but now that we, we who were dead, as dead as he was in a sense, like his death was representative, it was real, but it was also a picture of how dead we were. The, the scriptures say that as Christ died and was buried, so too you were buried with him, and then you have been made alive now with him. And God raised us up. There's some Bible language here we're going to talk about in a second. And God's raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in kindness in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by, no, not by works, so that no one can say, I made me alive. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the source of joy, the thing that permeates and pervades every part of our lives that allows us actually, no matter what we are doing, no matter what season we are in, no matter what is facing us, to say, I have joy because of this. Because Jesus Christ died and rose again, this passage says, your past, your present, and your future is changed. Everything has changed. It's used lots of Bible language in here, right? But he says, um, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ, and you have been saved. You're saved out of your sins, out of your transgressions. In other words, your past is forgiven. It's changed. Now your past is grace. But then he says, and God raised us up and seated him with the heavenly realms. You're like, what do you mean seated in the heavenly realms? I thought I was in this sticky chair in the theater. Like, <laughs> what does that mean that I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms? It means that the life of Christ now beats within us. The blood within our veins is his life. We are now inseparable from him. We are with him. We are not dead, but we are alive in him. And we now see the world differently the way he sees it because we are not dead anymore. We're not the walking dead anymore. Our eyes are open. Our ears are open. Our soul is alive and the blood in our veins is like his blood just as he walked out of the grave. And it says, you know, so that in the coming ages, 
he might show you more grace and kindness. Your future, right? Not only is your past changed and forgiven, but in the coming ages, God actually, why did he do this? It says, so he could show you his incomparable grace and riches and kindness in Christ. There's more coming, friends. This is a great day. What we have in Christ is great, but it's just the beginning. And then he goes on to say this, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, the gift of God, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works now. Your past is forgiven. Your present has a purpose. And in the future, the best is yet to come. That's what joy is. You have been forgiven. You were brought out of deadness. You were dead. But Christ has made you alive. And so the person you once were is not the person you are. But the person you are is not the person you will yet be. You are a shell of your future self. So your past is forgiven. Your future, the best is yet to come. And now you have a purpose to do the works that God put on in advance for you to do. Tell me, is this not the greatest source of joy ever? I don't have to live with regret and shame in my past. It has been forgiven. I don't have to fear for the future because whatever goodness I have in God is just a down payment, a taste of the best is yet to come. And for now, I have a purpose to live. Everything has changed for us. Because Jesus has died and risen again. That's joy. That's why no matter what we are going through, we have joy because we remember, I'm forgiven. The best is yet to come and I have a purpose today because he lives. So I'll be just saying, because he lives, I can face tomorrow and the next day and the next day. You were dead, but now you're alive. That's what it means. And some of you are saying, yeah, I know that. That's true. In a few minutes, a couple of our junior high girls are actually going to give their own version of that story for themselves, and they're gonna get in that tank which is going to represent the death and resurrection of Jesus, and what they're doing is they're saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm recognizing. I, if, if sin is not trusting God, then what is faith? It's trusting him, saying, I believe you're right about me, about you, about that I was dead and now I'm alive. I believe that my past is forgiven. I believe that my future, the best is yet to come, and I believe that I have a purpose now. I believe that that only happens in you, but I'm with you. That's what trust is. I believe you. Trust is an action word. Therefore, I represent, you know, with baptism, I'm down in the grave with you. I'm up now to life. And many of you have made that decision and have said yes to that, but some of you are breathing and not alive. Some of you have never come to that point. Some of you have never come to that point where you just have to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? if I think this is just gonna come together one day and all of my failures and all that's gonna be sorted out and I'm gonna be able to live with purpose and I have a future and a hope, if I can just do that myself, some of you just have to get to that point and say, actually, I can't. I cannot save myself. And you've been trying to do it in different ways and just try to be better and act better and do better and maybe get more educated or whatever it is that we say we think we need to become alive. But maybe for some of you, you just need to say, okay, today I just need to be honest about the fact that I'm not. And if that's you, I just want to tell you this, that this is what Easter means. It is an opportunity for you to say, okay, Jesus, I trust you. I will believe you, what you have said about me, what you've said about you, what you've said about death, 
what you've said about life, what you've said about sin and forgiveness and grace and purpose and a hope. And so some of you may just want to do that even right now. You can just do it where you are. Just say, okay, Jesus, I, I trust you. Some of you, maybe you've made that decision, but you're sort of falling back and you've, you're still trying to pay for your past sins. You're still living in guilt and shame. You lost sight of your purpose and you're not sure where that hope is coming. You just need to say, no, Jesus, I believe that again. But I want anyone to have, to miss an opportunity to say, okay, yeah, that's, I need that today. And he's here, he's listening. You can pray that in your own heart, whatever version of that you want. Just say, okay, I trust you. What that means for all of us is, is we do that. I wanted to give you something that would say, okay, how do I live then with joy? Like, if that's true, how do I actually live? And I want to give you these words, and maybe they're helpful for you to use. It's just that in your life that you would say, I get to do this. I get to do this because I'm alive. I get to fight temptation because I'm alive. How many of us love being tempted? Nobody. But in that crisis, when you are feeling tested to give in to temptation, that you would say, you know what? I get to do this. I get to fight. When I was dead, I didn't even care. I didn't even have, there was conscience in me was dead, but now it's alive and there's some voice in telling me, I know you want to do that, but don't. And you can say, man, I'm so glad I get to do this. I get to fight temptation. I don't have to just automatically be the walking dead and do what I've always done. That's joy. That you get to say when you have an opportunity to serve someone that the dead in me would just be concerned about me and my life and my family, whatever's going on with me and I don't have time for the world, but because I'm actually alive now, I get to serve another person. That when you have the opportunity to forgive, you'll say, yeah, the dead part of me would just blindly hold a grudge and add their name to the ever-growing list of all of the people who have offended me, but thank God in Christ, I'm alive. I get to do this, I get to forgive. I get to burn up that paper. I get to stop keeping record of wrongs. I get to do this because I was dead and now I'm alive. In a few minutes, Emily Rapetsky and Camille Urich are gonna share their story and in a sense they're gonna say, yeah, I get to do this today. I get to do this. I get to actually profess that this is my story and that I'm with him and he is with me. But the band's gonna come up and lead us in a song because one of the things that we like to do here is to just say when we have baptism, say maybe there's some of you who have just needed to take that step of baptism and you, you never have. Or maybe some of you for the first time this morning you understand, oh, this is what this means. This isn't another religion which a few things I need to do a little bit better and maybe somehow God would accept me. No, this is actually a relationship with the living Christ and to be honest, say, okay, yeah, I was dead but I actually wanna be made alive. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, I want that. The band's going to play and we're going to sing together. And for those of you that have made that decision and taken that step and you're saying, yeah, I'm alive, I want you to sing from your heart. Like, I get to do this. But if there's some of you that say, I want to get baptized today, you might think, what, seriously? We have clothes for you. No joke. I think we have hair dryers, don't we? We have everything, okay? I know some of you just wake up this beautiful, right? But others of you are like, oh, no, I need a bit of time. Well, we have stuff for you. And the reason for that is there, and many of you have taken that step actually here, that some of you have said, I, I cannot wait anymore. I know that this is true. 
And all we're going to ask you to do is if that's you, just come down. I'm going to wait over here. You can just come down, and I'm just going to ask you a couple of simple questions, which you just have to say yes to. You don't have to say anything else. <laughs> You're just saying, like, is it, do you agree with Jesus that he is the one that has forgiven your sin? Do you agree that he's the one that's given you a new purpose in life? Do you agree that he's the one that's given you the hope for the future and do you want to follow him? And you just say, yeah, I do. And then you can go get changed and the other girls are going to come up and share their testimonies. Then you can come in. You don't say anything else. We'll baptize you today. We've had people who started the service saying, I'll never get in that tank. By the end of it, we're in it. You may just say that's, and if, you, and if we don't, if there's nobody else, no, no problem. But we don't want to miss an opportunity for somebody to say, yeah, that, actually, that's my story, or I want that to be my story. I'm breathing but not alive. I want to be alive. I want to be alive in Christ. There's no magic about that water. We got it from the janitor's closet. It is nice and warm. There's nothing holy about that. But all of this represents and reminds us in the song that we sang about the risen Savior who is with us today and who says, anyone who is with me is new. So we're going to sing. You stand up, sing at the top of your lungs. If you want to come down and be baptized, just join me. And then after that, um, Emily and Camille are going to come.